Jay. Hey, Tyler. Hey, what you eating there? I was going to say, so a little behind the scenes for the listeners. <laughs> we have this new recording schedule from 11 to 2 uh, on, on most Mondays. And the last bunch of episodes, I've been able to sneak away with eating my lunch in the middle of it. Because sometimes we have quite verbose guests, and I can sneak a bite of sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it might be. A, it is harder to, to eat when we don't have guests. Yeah, so. yeah. I, uh, I. It, this might be tricky, but I'm here for it. I'll be okay. And mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. answer your question, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Because uh, I'm. It looks lovely. Yeah. First off, an update. As of this recording, we're recording this a week earlier. As of this recording, are you still in? Yeah. With the Whamageddon. Yes, I am. I, I am too. I'm so nervous I, I, about I it. Boy, so I'm very nervous too. again, I, I don't know what order these will come out. Uh, I never do, but the retreat we yeah. were at this weekend was horrifying for Whamageddon yeah. because Brian yeah. Wallace had the playlist and he went real hard and heavy on classic Christmas tunes. Yeah, and it was just it was just looping in the background of every room that we were in. I was uh, painfully aware that how dangerous that, that mixtape could be. Uh so just a reminder to anyone who is uninitiated, Whamageddon is from December 1st through December 25th. You try to go the entirety of that time without hearing any portion yeah. of the song Last Christmas as recorded by the group Wham. So not covers. There is a Jimmy World cover of it. There's a terrible Taylor Swift cover of it. Yeah. Uh, there are many other covers of like, it really is bad as someone who really does love Taylor Swift at this point that is a terrible cover uh, her all of her Christmas songs are terrible uh, she's got a Christmas Christmas tree farm which is pretty good but Santa baby is terrible and she's like 16 or 17 when she records it that's a terrible song anyway uh, and then her last Christmas is, is real bad um, but that you could listen to that all day long that one doesn't count it's only hearing wham mm-hmm. uh, I have I have not, other than I've taken the precaution of when I'm in my car, I have uh, satellite radio, and there are five or six different channels of, of the Christmas songs that are on the regular satellite. You can do, if you do through the app, there's like 15 more. The, those ones are really good because it's like soul Christmas and stuff like that. But I, uh, of the ones that are available in the car, I only listen to the one which is everything like from the 60s and before, specifically so that last mm-hmm. Christmas doesn't come up. And anytime... Uh, something pops up and it makes me jump to Holly or Jolly, which are like the, the more generic general ones. Uh, I immediately switch off of it. So if like all I want for Christmas is you comes up because I have that in my favorite song thing. Song thing. I'll listen to it, but about halfway through, I have to switch back because I was like, I don't want. Well, last you Christmas can't let it happen. Yeah. So I've made it. This is probably as deep as I've made it in a long time. I, I think the last several years I've gotten out on day one. Of I've, <laughs> of hearing. I've won before, but I had a couple years there where it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, the very first year we did it, you yeah. won, and you were like, "Yeah, this is a piece of cake. Yeah, this is no problem at all." It's it's yeah. and it usually is because I listen to like Spotify or podcasts in my car, so the radio is not an issue. Yeah. Uh, public places are are a challenge. The mall is miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the retreat was tough. Yeah. So yeah, there are a couple you gotta watch. And then I, I always get the most nervous when you get out because then the sabotage attempts are coming hot and heavy. Uh, so yeah. I. Yep. I need to beware of that. So good to know that you're still in it. That That's a, a comfort. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is I, I do really enjoy the song Last Christmas. I think it's a good song. I mean, in the same way that, like, all these, uh, like, Wonderful Christmas Time is a great example of that, the wing song, the Paul McCartney song, where it's, like, it's objectively not a good song. Right. Uh, but it's fun for Christmas. There's a there's a lot of songs that are not great. I mean, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, not a great song. But no. we put up with a lot of, like, oh, like mediocre songs that are just fun. Christmas is a time of kind of like cheesy fun stuff and I love last Christmas for that like it fits into the the cheesy kind of uh, it's just saccharine in, in a way that's that's lovely around this time like it's why we eat a bunch of sugar cookies right now that we don't necessarily during the rest of the year anyway right so I'm, I'm actually excited for when I do get out that I can listen to it the other thing is that uh, I think as we talked about before and we talk about today I'm a big proponent of the 12 days of Christmas in the sense that Christmas is a season that goes from the 25th of Christmas uh, the 25th of December until the 5th of January right uh, and that's legitimately what the song the 12 days of Christmas are about is are those 12 days between Christmas Day and Epiphany which is on the 6th of January so yeah. uh, I Un- very frustratingly, like all these Christmas channels have been on since like November first. They all go away on December twenty sixth. Yeah, no, no, like no. what a terrible. Just hang at, least, it. at least run it through the thirtieth. Right. Like, the- give us a- that extra week. So, I will, if I make it all the way, which I 
am, am still doubtful that I will. But if I do, my reward will I will be I have 12 days then to listen to Last Christmas. We just listen to I'm it straight Christmas the season. whole way through. Like that's it all on a loop. Yeah, on a loop. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Like like I like I did with that song about the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. So here here's my question for you. Uh, yes. What so long ago? Probably one of the first questions we asked on the podcast was, and we stole this question from from you and Ed when you were doing Youth Mystery. Is we said what was the what what fruit is the king of fruits? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the correct answer is pineapple because it has a crown. Yeah. Um, Ed contends that it's the apple. You you're a pineapple guy, right? I, I I go back and forth. I think pineapple's where I landed. I like the orange yeah. just for pure volume. Yeah. But yeah. I would also say maybe like a um, like a kiwi because you cut it open and there's a crown on the inside. There you go. So it's true in and of itself. And I am a, Ed would contend it is the apple, but I think the apple is too common. The apple is the apple's the, the peasant, the serfs. It, yeah. it, it's the worker. Yeah, yeah, because apples are in everything and they're easily accessible. They're easy to get to. Like whereas a, a kiwi is more exotic and you don't see them as much. And when you do, they taste. Like a combination of a strawberry and a pea, like they're they're very interesting taste yep. uh, that is unique and so much that if you have kiwi, you're like, oh, there's kiwi in this, like you know. Where but apple is a flavor that can be masked by everything else. Like if you have any of those fruit strips, there's all it's mainly it's apple, apple puree, but then they put another, but they'll put like blueberry or something in it, and that's what it tastes like. But it's lar- it's the potato of fruit anyway. <laughs> So here's the with that same question, uh, the question is this: What is the king or queen? What it, what is the the monarch leader mm-hmm. of Christmas treats? So I, Christmas snacks, Christmas Christmas eatery. Yeah, I've been thinking about this ever since you asked. Um, which which that's funny because that was like thirty seconds ago. Um, I think. I, I, I'm willing to be persuaded on this, but I think my answer would be the candy cane. Oh. Uh, and, and The apple of Christmas treats. Well, yes and no. Because I think especially, and maybe this is just my family tradition, that, that's part of this, right? you got to figure out different traditions or whatever. Uh, I would say the mm-hmm. cookie, the Christmas cookie, is the apple of the treats in our house in that it is always okay. around. Okay. Um, I could yes. I could yes. turn over a couch in cushion in my house and find a cookie right now. Like they're just always, <laughs> they're everywhere. The candy cane far less ubiquitous, at least in our house. Yeah. And yeah. Here's my final argument: no other Christmas treat gets put up on a Christmas tree. The cane. I like the this. Cane I like goes I, on the this tree. This is a strong. This is a strong contender. Yeah. Uh, two little amusing anecdotes. One, I made a pot, a pot of coffee today, and I put four <laughs> candy canes in the pot. There you go. At the bottom of the pot when I was brewing it. Yeah. So the candy canes are now are now one with the coffee. It has made it this kind of weird color. It's like a lighter brown color. Yeah. It tastes that's, good. That's a clutch move, though. I'm a big fan of putting them. Putting them. I usually will make a uh, a pot of coffee, or a, 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 when I pour myself like a, a thermos of coffee, like a, a travel mug of coffee, I will put a mini candy cane in the thing, mm-hmm. and then it dissolves and mixes. It's very lovely. Uh, so I do love this season of candy canes. I also the other thing I was going to say is that I uh, every once in a while would have like little challenges as a father that I would do, and for th- that like don't hurt anybody kind of things, like little games that I play on my kids, and one for a very long time. I try to convince my kids in a way that is harmless that they were called peppermint jays. And I would take a candy cane. If you hold it upside down, it's a J. Yeah. Because it came from like the like evangelism thing. Of like, oh, the J's for Jesus. It's yeah. Like, right, it's right. a shepherd's hook. It's like, no, that, no, it's, it's just a candy, candy cane. cane. But I would, I, I, and I didn't say that there was a story behind. I was just like, you want a peppermint J? And I would just call them peppermint J's. And my kids were like, yeah, because they're little kids. They don't know anything. And so they, they were like, yeah, peppermint J. And so for probably four years, they were peppermint J's exclusively. <laughs> and then I, I would give them out. Um, in children's sermons, and I would call them peppermint jays, and and kids would just go along with it, and they'd be wow. like, yeah, like a candy cane. It's like, yeah, peppermint jay, and and my kids were like, yeah, peppermint jays. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was. I don't know why I would do things like that. And again, it doesn't hurt their development, but right. I just thought that was just a fun little thing to have peppermint jays, and I still will call them peppermint jays sometimes. So great. I'm with you on the on the candy cane slash peppermint jay thing. Here is my entry. Yeah. 
and I think this is this is perhaps an unpop. I, I'm I'm feeling this will be unpopular. I contend that the 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 monarch of holiday treats is the fruitcake. And here's oh, why. Here's why I couldn't disagree more. Go ahead. Nobody nobody likes nobody likes uh, fruitcake. Oh. But immediately, everyone associates fruitcake with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everyone associates fruitcake with ubiquity of Christmas. Even if you never actually tasted a fruitcake or never encountered a fruitcake, you know fruitcake is a lousy gift to get at Christmas yep. that is a joke. Uh, it's like it's like the anchovies on pizza that probably most of us have never actually tried, but that's the joke terrible topping to put on a pizza. Um, fruitcake is it's the punchline of so many Christmas movies and plays and things like that. And so much like monarchs actually are in the real world, they are rare and nobody likes them, but we, there's nothing we can do about the fact that they're just there and we can't get away from them. So I would say that fruitcake as a holiday treat is the monarch so, of holiday treats. Let me ask you a question by way of a confession that is absolutely going to get me hate mail from some of our listeners. I am sure of it. Mm-hmm. When I was in mm-hmm. full-time youth ministry, we used to do a game every Christmas uh, for our Christmas party uh, that was a series of challenges you had to complete. And every year, it was like Veritas tradition. One of them was, as a team, you must consume an entire fruitcake. I don't even want to begin to break down how wow. much of our youth ministry budget was spent on fruitcake. Uh, I've never... because yeah, they're not cheap. No, they're not. They're really not. And eventually we did get somebody that yeah. would make them for us, so that defrayed the cost at least a little bit. But still, yeah. here's the confession, again, that uh, some of my former youth listened to this show and I will have PTSD about us force-feeding them fruitcake. Uh, I'm going to get hate mail about this. I've never actually eaten fruitcake in my life. So yeah. that as a confession, here comes the question. Is it a treat? Are we going to put it in the treat category? Or is it its own like... Oh, it's. I think it's certainly a treat. Is it trying to oh, be a I treat? Oh, I think it's certainly... Yes, it is very, 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 very sweet. Okay. Um, to the point of like, imagine something that's so sweet it's not good. Yeah. That's a fruitcake. I mean, there are other examples of things that are so sweet that they're just, they're not good. And it's not bitter. It's so sweet. It's a very British, um, <laughs> European sweet. I mean, like if you've ever had like British candy, it's too sweet. It's it's too sweet. Uh, now you may be like, yeah, that's why I love it. It's so sugary. I am someone who doesn't like frosting on cake. Like I, I will, I will take the frosting off of cupcake. I know. Yeah. I, I, so I'm not the good. I'm not the the best arbiter your, of sweetness. Your judgment is askew here in this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even even being that being said, fruitcake I think is objectively too sweet for most people. Certainly not for all people, or they wouldn't make it. Like the, there's something about it that. But it is also it is like candied fruits right so it is certainly a way it is from an old time way where you can't keep fruit fresh so in the same way that like beef jerky was a way to keep meat to last a very long because meat will spoil but they salt it so much that it dries out and then you could have it for like a year maybe a year but like six months um fruitcake i think was a way of keeping fruit you candy it that like during the winter that fruit is not accessible because it's out of the season so it's a way to have fruit that lasts it's like jarring fruit or like canning fruits and stuff like that i think my understanding of it would be that it's a way to have a fruit sweet fruit dish in a season where you can't have a fruit dish so you have taken candied fruits that you have stored in some way and then you put it in a cake so that now we're we're experiencing this sweetness that 400 years ago was almost impossible to get right. during the winter months uh, I think that that's what it is, but it's incredibly sweet. It is not good. Um, but that being said, you have never tried it. You still know this is a Christmas thing. That's like it true. Is associated with, it's like sugar plums. We've never had sugar plums either, but we kind of associate that because of this one thing. But uh, sugar plums are, are less ubiquitous than, than fruitcake. And again, fruitcake is usually a punchline, but it's something that is universally hated, but we all just accept yeah, uh, and I think that that much is like actually a king. how people treat, much like a king or queen, universally accepted. <laughs> but we just and to the point that it wouldn't even be Christmas if we didn't mention the fruitcake or have a fruitcake, almost like eggnog or different things that that have varying degrees of of personal acceptance that we just got to have it. 
Yeah. Like the cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving, it just needs to be there. Uh, just a follow up and a pin on this. I, I accept your argument, but uh, you mentioned the other dirty word. Uh, at that same event, we would have kids Nog. rock the fruitcake and then immediately after make them chug eggnog. And that was. <laughs> was the goal to make people throw up? I wouldn't call it the goal, but it sure happened a lot. <laughs> oh, no. The, your your brand of youth ministry was the brand of youth ministry that I hated as a kid, where they're like, make us do gross things. No, thank you. That was I would not have gotten That was a very, very rarity. I'd been to youth groups where that was like every week, the happy shakes crap uh-huh. and stuff like that. Like that's, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not into that. But that mm-hmm. one time a year. No. That one time a year, you got to have your... It is very fun. You got to have your fruitcake and your eggnog. Well, I'm Jay. And eat it too. (laughs) And I'm Tyler. And this is... Rubbing the Master. Sir, well, we have a very important topic today. Yes. Uh, so, so we're gonna get right to it. Yes. Uh, even after, after after 17 minutes of <laughs> not getting right to it, we're gonna get right to it. Uh-huh. Uh, this we we have not really done this to my to my reckoning. We have not had a theology of Christmas movies. Yeah. Um, so so we're gonna we we haven't we've had like probably seven Halloween episodes and one Christmas episode <laughs> for all the well, episodes we've done. That's because, uh, you know, this is the time of year that we just kind of like the wheels fall off the wagon and, you know, we, we, yeah, we we're forget busy. to record. Yeah. yeah. So, so to focus us, which is always a hard thing to do, uh, we have, uh, uh, much like cats being distracted, we have brought in the laser pointer to give us focus, <laughs> which is... We each had to pick out three Christmas movies, and yep. and when we when we have lists, we tend to be a little more focused. So we're going to say three Christmas movies that are. Uh, we, we just said pick three Christmas movies. Maybe they're the best. Maybe they're your personal favorites. I don't know what what your rationale. I kind of went with personal favorite, but I also would, yeah. would say objectively one should uphold these as solid movies. Uh, so looking at them both in terms of great movies, but also maybe a little bit of what they say about the church or about God. Um, would you like to go first? Or would you huh. like to me to go first? Yeah, we'll, and we'll bounce back. Mine don't say anything about the Church of God. Yeah, I'll, I'd love to go first because you have more than I do. Uh, okay, sure, sure, sure. So I'll start with a classic uh, because I've watched it since I was a child, and it was a favorite when I was a child. The 1964 Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, kind of claymation nice nice. animation. I just uh, a couple nights mm-hmm. ago we just watched it with our kids, uh, which is a surreal experience when you watch something that you've loved as a kid with your kids uh Mm -hmm. that's wild Mm -hmm. but i mean first of all it it, (laughs) i hadn't watched it in a while so going back there are some troubling thoughts in there like uh uh prancer saying to his wife this is men's work to go out and find rudolph and then like she oh yeah and then she eventually just says yeah we're going how mean everybody like how (laughs) how embarrassed they are of their son yeah cover it up yeah right uh, and it, it has, at the end, if you can look past some of that, a sweet uh, inclusion uh, moral at the end of it. And you can be whatever you want to be, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then Yukon Cornelius, that character, just from start to finish, is fantastic. Icon. An icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be him. I want the beard the no. way he has. I don't know. I wanted to eat him. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he, speaking of Christmas treats, something about the texture on Yukon Cornelius, I bet he was delicious. Yeah, you're probably right. He reminded me, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if you remember when they would give you, like, at school, and they would you would get ice cream at school. It would come in, like, a little cup, and it would come with a silver, like, a wooden spoon, and it had, like, uh-huh. a lid that you could peel off, and the, the texture of it was, like, a, it looked like the texture of Yukon Cornelius's beard. <laughs> like it was just like little dots or something like, and it was like, 
or like a lot of those claymation stuff look like that. Yeah. Specifically, uh, this was not on my list, but the claymation Christmas special, uh-huh. one of the best things ever. But there is a very specific scene in there where there's some walruses that do ice skating. So this is just a very specific thing for very specific people who understand this. That looked exactly like the chocolate ice cream that came in those little cups <laughs> with the wooden spoon. And I always want to eat those <laughs> those walruses because I'm sure they're make, uh, made of chocolate ice cream. And Yukon Cornelius, for whatever reason, I feel like he would be delicious. Yeah. Like some kind of candy, like a cookie or something like that, but I want to eat him. I never understood why he is constantly licking his pickaxe to try and determine if they're silver or yeah, gold. Under I still there. don't understand. I don't have any clue what's going on there. But One of the best sound effects, though, is that... Like the, the when he throws it up in the air and it like whistles in that weird way. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't do it right now. I can't hear yeah, it. Like I, I hope it's coming through your mic, yeah. <laughs> Probably just me blowing it. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good one. It's did you get you know there's two different versions, like the one that has fame and fortune, that fame and fortune, fame and fortune. Oh. It's what um Rudolph and the dentist guy sing as they're going away. Or they, the other version, what do they sing when they're walking away? They sing a song, and it's a, there's a there's one one version they sing "Fame and Fortune," and the other version that's the regular version they sing something else when they're when they're like, "We're gonna leave, yeah, <laughs> and do our own thing." I don't remember I "Fame and Fortune" again. Just watching it the other night, so I guess I have the regular. Yeah, "Fame and Fortune" is the one that's left out. I also like that when the when they sing the "We Are Santa's Elves" thing, <laughs> um, you know that part uh-huh. uh, that it starts off with. Uh, the guy's like, "All right, we gotta sing this song," and, the, and they're already, and that is uh, before. Then his voice changes, and he goes, "And a what a, and a two a," and it's just a completely different voice. Yeah, 100%. but the same guy. And uh, and Santa listens to it. I love, and it sounds great. And uh, then Santa's like, "Well, I have to go." Santa, <laughs> like he just doesn't. He's like, "Oh, it needs work. I have to go." Almost that whole movie, Santa is just over it. Like he does not care really about is. anything. Eat Santa. He's just he's just along for the ride until Rudolph goes missing, you know? That's it. That that I also I always think that's half an hour long. It's like five hours long. Yeah. This the show. I mean it's it's not. It's an hour long. It's but it's longer than so it much feels like. It. like Yeah, it resolves and then they go to the island of misfit toys and you're like, Oh, but one of my favorite characters in all pop culture, you talk about Cor- Yuko Cornelius. I love Charlie in the Box. Yeah. Who's never heard of a Charlie in the Box? <laughs> like, why is that? What's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? All these other ones like, have like, legitimate problems. Like, I'm broken. Yeah, I'm a, toy- I'm a train with wheels that don't spin. I'm just one that is misnamed. I want, you, I want a love whole it. holiday album of you impersonating Charlie in the Box. That's what I want for Christmas. Just give me 45 minutes of you saying stuff as Charlie in the Box. Well, the Charlie in the Box, here's the secret of the Charlie in the Box. It's just a slight variation on Ed Wynn, who is the voice of, uh, of he's the uncle in Mary Poppins that like laughs and is floating uh-huh. on the ceiling. He's uh-huh. also the, the Mad Hatter. And he's like... Uh, and I always love it uh, the he's got two levels and it's very much on display in Mary Poppins where he's like, oh, let's be, don't let's be silly. Like that's <laughs> kind of that. But then uh, whenever they make him sad in the, uh, in the Mary Poppins, like, oh yes, that's sad. That's very, very sad. <laughs> like he's just like real, like just has this weird lisp. Mustard, don't let's be silly. Like just a lot. Yeah. And that's Charlie in the Box. Who's ever heard of a Charlie in the Box? Hmm. It does. I mean, like, if we're going to twist it to, it's not very hard to twist to the church that it really, especially for the 50s, where it has all this oppressive uh, tropes in the beginning of like men's work and women's work and stuff like that. It is about acceptance. Right. It is about, um, frankly, uh, the dentist guy is kind of a queer icon um, and has been embraced in the same way that like the friends of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz are all kind of queer icons. Like, it is about someone who doesn't fit into. Uh, what they're supposed to and, and uh, like it's it's really well written and 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 comes across pretty well even uh, somehow within the scape the the scope of the 50s which was all about assimilation and fitting into a shared vision right. uh, this does make room for it's okay to be different yeah which I think is why it has some some good staying staying power that's I say you know like judging it by today's standards some of the stuff is problematic and that's difficult judging it by the 1950s 60s standard this movie was very ahead of its time in terms of what it was pushing in the end yeah, um, yeah. 
and the conclusions in the end are still still really good. Yeah. Even the even the abominable snowman has acceptance. Like he's not killed. Right. They just pull out his teeth out, which is terrible. But then <laughs> then they need him because he helps. He puts the the. That's a great sound effect too, where he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> he has no teeth. Bumbles bounce. <laughs> this is the auditory. Yeah. yeah. Bumbles bounce. Uh, what do you got, yeah, man? That's a good one. Okay, my number three. I went all movies. I didn't go Christmas specials, and I, I, I was gonna clarify that, but I didn't clarify it because I like, I like incorporating Chris, like a TV special and movies. So I'm, we're going broad on this. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number three. Uh, so all the minor movies is the classic. It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. And I love this one because uh, it is undeniably a Christmas movie. We all accept that it's a Christmas movie, but only a small portion of this movie actually takes place at Christmas. Uh, there are several movies that we argue are not Christmas movies that Christmas is more central to the plot than this because this starts off on Christmas Eve. Uh, George Bailey feels like he would be better. The world would be better off if he was not alive. And and then the, the first hour of the movie is then a flashback to his whole life. And none of that takes place at Christmas. And it's all uh, you watch in the it's a so I love this movie because it's a science fiction movie. It's an alternate reality movie. It's basically back to the future. Like it's got a lot of really crazy science fiction stuff happening in it. Uh, And it's really helpful. And what I love about it. So then the last hour does take place on Christmas Eve, but it uh, most of it takes place on Christmas Eve in this alternate reality where he was never he never existed. and you find all of the ways, all of the people, all of the, you see the difference that he made in the world. And uh, that even though he never got to do any of the things that he wanted to do, he had these big goals for his life and none of them panned out. So it feels like, what have I done with my life? It's nothing like what I thought it would be. And it's just been wasted. And I, I kind of am screwed and can't do anything. And, and I hate this town and I hate where I live. And it's nothing like what I thought it would be. And I'm just tired of it. And then seeing that the true, the richest man in uh, in uh, in Bedford Falls is not the man with all the money, but the man with all the friends. Um, and in true capitalist fashion, he does get all the money. Yeah, right. Obviously, uh, but all, the, also the, true. The, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it really, I love the 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 way in which it's told is beautiful. Uh, and it's really creative and, and really kind of unusual for that sense. And it and it fits with things like A Christmas Carol. Like I love um, science fiction and or horror, uh, like ghost stories that come about at Christmas. Like yeah. it actually is ironically a season that works well for kind of ghost stories. And there is a ghostly nature to what happens in this. Yeah. And kind of like the, the, the true human horror of the people that you love ending up in a worse way not not uh like there are some people who die because he's not there but there are other people who just become uh both his friends and and his loved ones become kind of like shells of what they would be now it is very like this one man is what who completed all that but it's not that it's just that there is the relationships that we have really make a difference and even the small things can really make a difference so i love the message of the movie and it's just a, a great movie um I also love uh, the full-on display of the way that kids talked in the 40s. <laughs> like the, the, the kind of weird 40s accent of like, paste it, daddy. Like the, the, like Zuzu, his daughter, is just like, oh, teacher said you get this. Like it's this weird kind of like uh, like foppish southern accent that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Same thing uh, with, uh, I just watched, um, oh, shoot. Why can't I think of it? To Kill a Mockingbird, the original one of those. Yeah. Same, yeah. same genre yep. of kid talk. Yeah. Oh, oh, gee. <laughs> I I confess. So it's a wonderful life is is certainly my three. I've never seen. I, I've seen it. I've only seen it like once or twice. Like I I don't geek out about it mm-hmm. the way others do. Uh, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. But I was warned when I got here. I, I guess it, pastor before me uh, did one Christmas season where all through Advent she did scenes from It's a Wonderful Life, and then made like a whole Christmas nice. sermon out of it. And then the next year did Christmas movies and started with It's a Wonderful Life. So, like, it was two years in a row of It's a Wonderful So, like, I don't know how many people around this church have told me, please just don't talk about It's a Wonderful Life around Christmas time. Uh-huh. Like, leave that out of the, nice. the sermon. So, they're safe for another year. You should keep teasing it. Yeah. You're going to do it. Like, 
It's a uh, wonderful day We were going to talk about it. Day we, today. Have to, we have to push back the... We, we were going to do the It's a Wonderful Life, but then something came up, so we'll push that back next week. It'll just constantly be... <laughs> be pushing it like they did with Lindsay Buckingham on that the on the what's up with that sketch on Saturday Night Live how they were like we never got to um yeah I think uh the the one last thing I'd say about that too is that uh we don't we kind of miss this now is that it's a wonderful life because of copyright purposes like the copyright wasn't done right and so it became it was not a success when it came out but then it was just on tv all the time because nobody had to pay rights for it so it was there was a period up until like the mid 90s where it was just always on TV during the holidays and always on like the cheap thing. So people it was just constantly running. You could always see it almost the way that a Christmas story is on TNT or TBS. Um, but that but uh, it for anyone who is like a millennial or younger or, or, or younger Gen X, like that doesn't hold true because in the mid nineties they did get the copyright back and NBC bought the rights to it. And so it's only shown like once a year on NBC at this one time. So we, we see it as like a, an annual tradition, but it's not people talked about it as though it was always on and it's not always on. It's just on that one time unless you own it. So uh, the reason why it became such a big kind of, association is that it used to be a cheap movie to see all the time in it and it's you can kind of jump in and out of it uh at various points much like speaking of which yes uh my number two is the fine classic christmas uh movie a christmas story uh in part because uh this is a good example of good evangelism uh my friend ed uh loves that movie uh, and when it was, I don't think they do it anymore. I don't think they do the TBS 24 hours of the Christmas story. I, th- I haven't had cable for like 10 years, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think they punted on that. But it was, it was, that was part of it. Ed really loved it, so I watched it, and that's what got me hooked. But then every year since, I could just watch the movie a little bit at a time throughout Christmas Day. Like I would never catch yeah. the exact same spot twice, so I could just keep working my way through the film. Uh, you 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 look like you're dying. It's a, to say it's a very well. I I do want to like check the tape and remind you that yes, your friend Ed loves it, but also your friend Tyler loves it. And yeah. when we started this podcast, you had still not seen it, and I in bought its entirety. It yes, and that mm-hmm. has happened since. Uh, it is yeah, it is great. I so I'm not saying that you wouldn't have seen it had it not been for me, but I definitely have a role in this because <laughs> you own that movie because I, I bought do. it for you and and am grateful for it because again mm-hmm. I don't think TBS does it anymore to the point that I've been watching it on Christmas Eve. Thanks to your generosity, mm-hmm. uh, just to yes, get yes, it yes. in for the year. But and I remember that specifically because that was the first time I realized how to gift an iTunes movie to someone. <laughs> I was your first experiment Which with is that. Quite nice. I'd, yeah. Yeah, I've I've done that with a couple other movies for you. I can't remember what else, but that the, but that's been the one. You gave me a season of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the cartoon. That was that was an interesting pickup. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. That was a nostalgia trip. Yeah. I think uh and and mm-hmm. and this comes with a question mark at the end. First of all, I think what I like about Christmas story is it's so random. Like it it is it approaches Christmas mm-hmm. the exact way a child would approach Christmas. I'm just bouncing from this thing to this thing to this mm-hmm. thing to this thing, and there's kind of this I want to be begun for Christmas overarching, but that's mm-hmm. not even the main storyline. It's just I'm going to see Santa now. Oh, we got our tongue stuck to a fire pole. Oh, we got this over here. Like, it's so weird, but that's what it would feel like I think as kids, the whole Christmas season of just like mm-hmm. oh mom's taking me over here. Oh, I swore in front of my mom. Oh, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got. Like that, it's just so bouncy, it feels right. Uh, I love the level yeah. of sarcasm in it. Uh, I think my favorite line in that movie yeah. is, Randy lay there like a slug. It was his only defense. Like, <laughs> it was his only defense. <laughs> <laughs> like, all, all this kid could muster is to lay perfectly still. Um, so good. Also, the, the, the kind of risque line of, like, there's only one thing in the world that could pull me away from the gleam of electric sex in the window <laughs> it was little orphan annie who <laughs> was talking about the yeah the leg now so yeah, so that go, go yeah well so here leads to the follow-up long time listeners may know there's a sequel floating around now of a christmas story mm-hmm. i have avoided it like the plague because i'm afraid it's horrible i think when you get these i've heard that it's good really see that i I yeah, get I have so not nervous. seen it, but I've heard that it's good. 
I get so nervous when there's this classic movie that that, that is so timeless and wonderful and it's good, and then you try and make a sequel, what thirty years later, forty years later, like yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think you can capture that lightning in a bottle twice. You know, like so here. Yeah, here's the crazy thing is that so A Christmas Story is based on the writings of Gene Shepard, mm-hmm. who is the narrator of the movie. Um, like the the voice you hear is the writer, and and that's why it kind of has all this epic because he was like a like an essayist, almost like a David Sedaris or one, one of these people like that, and he wrote about his life. And so this is this movie is based on a bunch of his little essays, and so that's why it has kind of this very episodic feel. That's why uh, I mean, much like It's a Wonderful Life, the bulk of this movie doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. No, it just happens during like the the the. Getting your tongue stuck on the thing, the the whole electric lamp like has nothing to do with Christmas. Um, a a major lot, of, a lot of the stuff, but it, yeah. He said he won that, <laughs> uh, but that that whole it, it 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 does it really well. But it also feels so relatable because in the midst of this larger thing, there's all these other episodes going on and why it works really well for a movie that you can just show over and over. Cause you can kind of jump in at any given right. point and watch it for like 20 minutes and see a, a plot line play out. Uh, even the Scott Farkas affair, like that has nothing to do with Christmas, uh, but it works really well. So like bullies and teachers and uh, parents and uh, swear words, like all of these are very relatable um, experiences that happen in life, whether it happens in the thirties or it happens in the nineties. Like th- we, we have those connections and the way in which the main goal of Christmas happens while all of these other little episodes happen in the, in during the leading up to Christmas season is a very little kid thing. It's very kind of not, uh, it's a very, um, multitask narrative, which is pretty great. The interesting thing is that there have actually been, I think I want to say at least three, sequels already really so there was yeah there was a a a movie it so this was directed uh by um what's his name bob clark is the director and it didn't make any money he had directed porkies before which is a terrible movie which i cannot not recommend (laughs) hard enough like it is problematic in every way do not watch quadruple negative just there yeah 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 no stay away from that movie let's pretend it didn't exist it will make you like this movie less um so he then in the 90s directed a movie called it runs in the family which then got re re marketed as my summer story ah also written by bob clark and still used gene shepherd as the narrator and it was using uh, other stories that he had from other things. It's actually not a bad movie. The dad is Charles Grodin, which seems weird. The mom is Mary Steenburgen, who's from uh, Back to the Future 3. Uh, and the kid is played by Kieran Culkin. So huh. uh, of he is uh, he's in Home Alone. He's the, the kid who wets the bed. He's Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, but he's the kid who wets the bed in that. He's also in um, uh, what's the show that he's on now? Succession he's on. And he's in Scott, pa- Scott Pilgrim versus the world worst of the world he's like he's a great actor and he does a really good job as ralphie but he doesn't look anything like the ralphie kid he looks like macaulay culkin right uh it's an interesting it's an interesting it's it's good it's not great but it's good and it's the kind of thing you had you seen it's like as good as like my girl or the sandlot or something like that so it which both of those movies are not as good as you remember but you saw them when you were a kid so yep. they kind of hold up the great uh, this is a movie that yeah. yeah. So my summer story is pretty good. They made another one a couple years ago that really is like a cash grab called Christmas Story Two, and it's terrible. Don't watch that one. <laughs> it feels like it's a made for uh, like cable movie, and it is. This one that just came out actually does have Ralphie as an adult, and it's called I think it's called My Christmas Story Story. It's they're all poorly titled. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and I've heard this one's okay. I also haven't watched it because why? Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, that's in doing yeah, this exercise. You, I, I will say I am tapped out on Christmas movies. I don't need any more. I yeah. have enough to get me through yep. the hall. Like yep. I don't, I'm set. I will put in a plug for this, that what a, a movie that gets the Christmas story vibe perfectly, um, but updates it to our generation is a movie that's on HBO max that came out last year called eight bit Christmas. And it is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Re- it is a focused version of this. <laughs> In the sense that it, it so the narrator is um, Neil Patrick Harris. So it goes, he goes to his family's house. Uh, he's there with his daughter. Uh, they get there, like he and his uh, wife and mom 
are like driving separate. So they get to the house early, like they, they travel there. And while they're there, he's like, oh, let's go up into my room. And then he finds his Nintendo. He's like, did I ever tell you about how I first got a Nintendo? And then he tells the story of the summer or the, uh, so the, the Nintendo entertainment system becomes the BB gun and it is great. And, and it's really funny and it's really well done. And, uh, it's very sweet. And it really is about the relationship. It's secretly about the relationship between the parents and the kids, but there's a lot of different episodes and, and it's, uh, it's very enjoyable. I highly recommend eight bit Christmas as kind of an update of a Christmas story. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that, that sense of relatable nature of like, uh, especially as parents, like you watch a Christmas story as a parent different than you did as a kid because you realize that like it secretly is the dad is kind of the hero and 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 the mom is also like the, the relationships between the mom and the dad are very fun and the relation the way the mom loves the kids is very deep but also very different and the way the dad loves the kid is very deep but very distant like it uh, it's it's a kind of beautiful thing that you can watch as a as an adult differently than you watched as a as a kid uh, but I do love both it, it it's it's one that helps with the kind of memory farm that Christmas is for us all. Yes. Uh, but also that, that in the midst of those memories of the toys that really didn't matter, we see the relationships and the love that our parents were able to give us in different ways and what Santa represented in terms of representing that love in ways that we didn't understand at the time. Yeah. So good. What's your, what's your number? My, number two. My number two, uh, one of the best Christmas movies ever. Uh, one of the best just full stop movies ever, I would say I would make a hard contention that this is the best action movie ever made and it's die hard. Uh, I'm not even really getting into the debate about whether or not it's a Christmas movie. I think that's a stupid debate uh, because who cares? But I do, I will say, I mean, for the sake, for the sake of the debate, I think it's dumb to argue that it's not because Christmas is a central part of the plot. Yeah. Um, it's also a central part of the music. Like it is unlike the two that we just mentioned, it, it probably has more Christmas in it than both, definitely more than It's a Wonderful Life and maybe even more than it, than A Christmas Story uh, in the sense that the music, the musical score is constantly um, interpolating Christmas carols. Uh, the whole plot happens because it, just as central to the fact that there's no cell phones, like cell phones would ruin this. If this didn't happen on Christmas, then there would be other people in the building. Like this is happening because there's a Christmas party in the building at this place and they're constantly talking about the fact that it's Christmas. Anyway, it is a great movie. Uh, it is. Uh, have you you've seen it, right? Nope. Have you seen it? No. Oh my goodness! You have I'm to. The that worst. may be something that maybe that's my Christmas <laughs> gift for you this year. <laughs> Every year, I just get it whatever is, movie I'm upsetting Tyler that I've not seen. That's yeah. Yeah, it is really. It is a perfect movie in the sense that it is unlike almost every action movie since then, and definitely every other Die Hard movie. Um, it is almost entirely believable it is like 98 percent believable uh in that he doesn't have superpowers there they do a great the script is perfectly written as to why everything happens the way like i said there are only certain people in this building because it's christmas and they're they're having a christmas party uh i think it's chris it's i don't think it's christmas eve but it's like christmas and so there's a christmas party the they set up the the reasons for why he is visiting because he and his wife are separated. He lives in New York and she lives in LA. He's flown out to LA to see her for the, for Christmas. And it's the reason why he, he doesn't have his shoes on the whole time. And they explain that in a very, very good way. And it makes a difference at the thing. It also has the best villain in that. This is Alan Rickman as the villain. It's his first role ever. His, he was about to give up on acting. He was 40 years old and he got cast in this and then became the Alan Rickman that we know the professor Snape and all the other things that he was because of this movie. And he is brilliant. He deserves an Oscar for this. <laughs> he is so charming and lovable and evil. Mm. Like it is, it is just a great, great role. This movie resolves really well. It's got great um, relationships between him and this other cop that he be friends just over the radio and they help each other. It's got other villains of like the, uh, how, the systems in place of the FBI and the LAPD are just bumbling and stupid and like the bureaucracy that gets in the way of them actually understanding the situation. It is, it is really, really, really good. Uh, it is a movie that I always would watch every Christmas Eve because I would, it, I couldn't watch it with my kids cause it's violent. Uh, and so I would, um, like it's a, it's a pretty hard R, mm -hmm. um, 
but I would I would argue that it's all it's not really gratuitous. It's all effectively necessary. There's even a point where they show um, a there's a calendar on a wall. Like there's there's nudity in it twice, and both times it's gratuitous for the '80s because it's from '88. But it makes sense within the plot. And that there's one point where there are people who are fooling around in a in a um, in an office, and so you see nudity, and you're like, oh, come on, movie. But the nudity distracts the bad guys enough that he's able to get away, and so it's like there. And then later they show like a, a uh, some nudity, like a naked picture is hanging on the wall uh, when he's walking through this like um, kind of like these back um, uh, alleys or uh, back hallways and stuff. And he it shows you it like you see it, and he's like, oh. And then he goes around, and then you see that he has gone on a loop because you see the picture again. So it does like Serves help purpose. to orient yeah. you. Does it need to be nudity? No, but that. It, it it's not just gratuitous it serves a purpose um so i would always do the christmas eve services we would have two christmas eve services i would get home from church everyone had been asleep usually by that point it was like eleven thirty or so and that, that i would watch die hard and it's a wonderful life while i wrapped presents and so that had been my tradition of my alone time of watch and this is like over the last probably 12 years and it never it was never official it just became kind of my standard thing to do so Die Hard is very much for me a Christmas movie and for me kind of the the peak of of good storytelling like it is everything happens for a reason everyone has good motivation both the good guys and the bad guys and the the kind of problematic uh, antagonists that are the system Uh, a strong um, female character in Bonnie Bedelia who doesn't, who's kind of a damsel in distress, like the wife, but like does have her strength moments too. Like it's really, it's a well, it's a really good movie. Highly recommend it. And very, very strong as a Christmas movie. Like and I, for a lot of us, I will say that, 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 that the, the, I agree the debate is kind of silly at this point, but I think the defining mm-hmm. characteristic of whether or not it's a Christmas movie for any particular individual is, can you go a Christmas without it? Uh, yeah, no, not at all. So there it is. That's it. Like I, I think that's yeah. it. Which leads to my my number one, uh, which I would not put in the cinematic annals of of history, but it will not be Christmas if I don't see Iron Man three. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for it. I was I was here for it if you were going to give no, me No, I was just totally kidding. 8 minutes on Iron Man 3. Uh I will say before I get to my actual movie, I will say it's honorable mention because I thought of it when we were talking about Christmas specials versus Christmas movies. If you put mm-hmm. the four the first four seasons the Christmas episode out of the West Wing. If you put oh, sure. all four of those together, they are kind of a movie in and of themselves uh in that there's one theme that comes up in each of those episodes that only comes up Ooh. at Christmas. Uh, and it's fantastic. Here, I'll tell you what. Based on that, so I still have only like six episodes into the West Wing. Um, but what I will do, because I do want to watch it, but it's it's so, as, as talked about in previous episodes, I'm at a point that I can only do six to eight episodes of a season of a show. I don't need 24. And there are seven seasons of this show that there's at least 24 episodes. You don't need Um, all seven seasons, by the way, four is plenty. I do want to watch it eventually, but there's, there's so many things that are in the way for me watching the West Wing. What I will do is that I will, uh, barring a ridiculous price, I will get you die hard Mm. and you can watch die hard. And I will watch the four Christmas episodes of the West Wing. It's really and, sweet because uh, it, it the, be, the, the, I'll spoil yeah. it only slightly. The whole way through is the staff of the White House are trying to help each other and no mm-hmm. one ever succeeds. Like in all the Christmas movies, nice. like they never. I think I've seen the first one. They never yeah. actually get the help they were trying to give that person, but it ends up being sweet and endearing anyway. And it's, 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 it's good putting all those together. Nice. My number one movie though, again, it's not a great movie. It's so problematic on so many levels, but it will not be Christmas if I don't see Home Alone, the original Home Alone. Oh, uh, it, 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 I can't, I can't not watch it every year. Uh, it, I hope it's. I haven't checked this year. It was on Disney Plus for a little while because I don't know if I oh, still yeah, own still it. If it's still on there, that's good because I haven't gotten there yet this yeah. year. But I, uh, it is. It, it, I say it's not the best movie. It is slightly embarrassing to me how much slapstick comedy still gets me uh mm-hmm. I, to the mm-hmm. point of tears i know what's going to happen i've been watching this movie since i was like 13 
I know he's going to get hit in the face with the paint can, but I will laugh <laughs> until I cry every time it happens. It's just, ugh. It, it hits me right in the in the sweet spot. And the scene with the old guy in the church, oh, so sentimental, yeah. so oh, man. sweet. One of my favorite gifts in life is a it's a it's a looping gif so it never ends of just uh joe pesci with his sticking his head through the door with the flamethrower <laughs> lighting his head on fire and just him making the like and just blinking because like clearly when they filmed it, it was with real fire so it's like don't move <laughs> right so he is like motionless but just blinking and you can watch it on loop and it's it is very funny i highly recommend look up that gif of joe pesci with his head on fire <laughs> Which, and what what's the other guy's name? The other uh, wet bandit, uh, Daniel Stern. I, his career kind of fizzled after that, right? Like he he disappeared for a while. Yeah, I mean he still did stuff. Um, he's in one of the versions of a Christmas story. Oh, actually. really? He's in a Christmas story too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he kind of peaked. He did Palm Alone too. He's in uh, City Slickers one and two. He's in, he's he's in a, a couple of things. He was never he was always like a second banana. Yeah. He's in Celtic Pride. He's in uh, he's in a bunch of things like that. He was the narrator of uh, of, uh, of the Wonder Years. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that now. Yeah. So this is definitely peak Daniel Stern. Like yeah. it was early eighty early nineties. Uh, it was it was the, it was a high time frame. I always just hope he just had a lovely life. Yeah. Just like he just just continued to be a working actor and made enough money to to have a lovely life. I'm sure he, I, I th- I'm sure he's a wonderful person who has a lovely life. That's what I always wish for him. People yeah. like that. I uh, I did when I was a kid really enjoy Home Alone two, and then I watched it as an adult. And yeah. I was like Lost in New York. Uh, it okay. Home Alone one's where it's, it's at. still. I, oh, Home Alone two. Home Alone one is a perfect movie. Um, Home Alone 2 is better than it has any right to be Yeah, to basically do the same thing but in New York and <laughs> you have to suspend disbelief a whole lot harder Yes, but it still is fun uh, and it also has one of my speaking of gifts one of my favorite acting moments uh, it always makes me laugh out loud very hard um, so Tim Curry comic <laughs> genius Tim Curry is the, the hotel manager in this movie and there's a point at which they are figuring they have figured out that that Macaulay Culkin has gotten like the presidential suite for free, like, and, and is scamming them. And they're still trying to figure out he improbably has, there's so much disbelief you have to suspend for this one to work, but it's still fun if you go along for the ride. But there's a point at which his mom has flown to New York, has shown up in New York. Um, Also just the un, the uncommented upon wealth of yeah. this family is obscene in these They're movies. Like really, rich. I love there, there are so many John Hughes movies that just start off with a default. Like, Oh yeah, we're rich and we're just not even going to talk about it. Like we're just going to fly the whole family to France yeah. for whatever reason. Like we, that, you know, you know, like you do like, but anyway, so the mother shows up at the Plaza hotel <laughs> and is, is talking to him and like yelling at him about how, like how dare they let this kid just like be on his own. Like they should have figured something out. And he says something about like, uh, she's like, I'm going to go find him. And he's like, you'll never find him in New York. And then it's just a shot of his face. And you just see her slap him across the face. And he he's like, would you like me to get you a cab? And then his lip quivers. Like he's about to start crying. And it is hilarious. It is the, the best face acting that I think I've ever seen. Give him all the Oscars, please, Tim yeah. Curry, for your consideration as best <laughs> Christmas actor for that one five-second shot. It is, he goes from anger to slap across the face to restrained, like, calm and professionalism to, like, turning away and his lip quivers. It is it is comical. It's so uh, good. The other thing I would say is that Home Alone number one, there is a strong contention, and once you have seen it, I want you to think about this. There's a strong contention that Home Alone is a remake of Die Hard. Really? Yes. Okay. I mean, it, it isn't, but it's the <laughs> same plot, effectively. Yeah. Is this like the uh, uh, Harry like, Potter is, is actually Star Wars kind of thing? Uh, no, it's more than that. Okay. Uh, like, it is, like, beat for beat. It kind of has the same stuff. Like, there is the ineptitude of police. There is the mm-hmm. uh, someone trying to, to get people through there. There is... Uh, a, a lone person having to having to use their initiative to to get these it's to set up booby traps and stuff like this it is uh, it's a very fun uh 
comparison to to make. All right. Uh, again, not not straight point for point, but but pretty. There's a lot of beats that follow the same thing. And Home Alone One, much like Die Hard, does a really good job of setting up all of the things that come into play later, like the spider and like yeah. how does he get money and how do, how is he able to do these things and. Uh, like you see the angels with dirty faces before he's able to use it later and like that kind of um, like the the Merry Christmas you filthy animal kind of stuff I have I'm not going to oh, stand no, up and get it because none of the listeners could hear it but over in the office in the closet my ugly Christmas sweater for around here which I wore to decorate the sanctuary for the official first showing of the pastor it's an ugly Christmas sweater that just crocheted nice, into nice, it nice. says Merry Christmas you filthy animals great just great I love it just I great. love it <laughs> Nice. So my uh, my, I have some honorable mentions. My honorable mentions are like all of the Christmas specials. I love the Garfield Christmas. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I love Claymation Christmas, as I talked about before. Uh, so many other Christmas specials. I, I'm a big proponent of uh, Christmas episodes uh, of like um, 30 Rock has some great Christmas yes, episodes. Um, Community Christmas. has some fantastic Christmas episodes. Uh, there's a claymation Christmas episode of of uh, of, of Community that's fantastic. There's um, one where they get in a snowball fight. And so, it's just it's Community is a really good seasonal show, uh, and they have great episodes for that. Ted Lasso's uh, also, Christmas I would episode. like to Ted Lasso's Christmas episode, fantastic. I would also like to submit uh, the movie Gremlins, yeah. which is very much a Christmas oh, uh, Christmas man, movie. That and takes it's me crazy. Back. That's a great movie. That is a great. That is a movie that is a hard PG thirteen, and PG thirteen didn't exist. The PG thirteen exists because of the movies Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. There was just PG and R, and both of those are not an R, but they're a little closer to R than than PG. But they were both rated PG because they had nothing, and so after that, they're like, we really need something else because both of these movies are brutal. Uh, there there was in, in in Gremlins, they explode a gremlin in the microwave. <laughs> there there. That's a really good thing. There was a Penguins blog, Pittsburgh Penguins blog, that uh, a while back when mm-hmm. the Penguins were in the playoffs, every night they'd tweet a picture of Gizmo holding the bow and arrow with the lit uh, marshmallow <laughs> as the, like, rally the troops. Where he's, where he's rainbow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the perfect, like, let's go get him. Yeah. yeah. That is also, I would say, that's a perfectly told movie. Yeah. And, oh, Gremlins 2, this is unrelated. It's not a Christmas movie. Gremlins 2 is a great movie also because it is a movie made by the same people making fun of the first movie. <laughs> it is a it is a satire of the first movie because they Joe Dante made the first one. It was great. Uh, they kept coming back. He's like, make a sequel. He's like, I don't want to make a sequel. They're like, and they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. He's finally like, okay, if I'm going to make it though, uh, I'm going to make it the way I want to. And the whole second movie just makes fun of the first movie in a, in a way that the first movie is great. And the second movie is a parody of the first movie. And it's fantastic. I highly recommend both of them. They're completely different vibes, but that is what makes it so much fun. Um, my number one movie. Yes. Is the perfect Christmas movie the perfect Christmas movie. Iron and Man it's the 3. the best version of this story. It is Iron Man 3. No. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it is um, the best version of this story. So this is probably the most well-known story at Christmas and well re- most often retold is A, a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And there are so many versions of it. There are lots of good ones, lots of kind of lousy ones. The best version and perhaps the best Christmas movie full stop the best version of a Christmas Carol is Muppets Christmas Carol. I have heard and you I talk about this, and I couldn't agree more. It is it's perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. That's it is an absolutely essential. This must happen. We always watch it on Christmas Eve because it's the one more sleep till Christmas. This is what we watch. Like we go to Christmas Eve, and then we put this one on when we come back after the family service, like kind of in between the two services. So I always catch like the first half of it, and then I have to leave. Um, the the it is peak Muppets. They are doing the best at their storytelling, the artistry. Like it, it. There is very little CG. There's like early '90s CG, which is barely CG, um, and almost everything is practical. And what makes this movie work so well is that no one bothered to tell Michael Caine that he was not making the most professional, serious movie. <laughs> like he is the best Scrooge ever, and he he is taking it real seriously and he is treating these Muppets as though they are real. He is, uh, when he cries, he is uh, like, give this man all the Oscars, take a couple of his Oscars away from Tim Curry and give them to Michael Caine, who is giving it everything. Yeah. Um, 
and that and then you get like some great Muppet acting, frankly, uh, <laughs> from some of these Muppets. The 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 all three of many of these movies that we've been talking about have narrators and narrators that really kind of do a lot of heavy lifting. And narrating oftentimes is a is a bad plot device, but it it's implemented really well in some of the ones that we've been talking about. And using Gonzo and Rizzo as narrators who comment on this and allow the movie to be scary because at one point they're like oh this is a little too scary kids like watch out and so it doesn't soften the the darkness of the right. ghost of christmas past um and they even leave the movie they're like uh this is too scary for me i'll see you at the end and then they come back at the end they're like we're back and like and i always get so happy when they're like hey we're back like it just feels really good to me there's a there's a moment in um in the game Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which at some point I want to do an episode on that. But there's this character that's just an owl who's just there. He's a giant owl. And he's basically there like as a mechanic in the game to help walk you through, to let you know you're doing the right thing. But whenever he shows up, he has his own song. And and the it'll do a cutscene basically, and he just basically is reminding you like, hey, you're you're keep going, you're doing the right thing. You as a as a gamer have done the right thing. And he just shows up, and he's like, hey, and it says your name, so it's like, hey, Tyler, well done, keep going, don't forget to do this thing. And the music is really and it, so that feeling always makes me feel really good. And it's the same feeling as like when God's on Rizzo say, hey, we're back, like we did it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is it, it's a. Th- Again, a ghost story. I think it's uh, the Christmas Carol is such a great story. It is, and this is told so well. The music is perfect. the The telling of it, the tone, somehow nails it. I don't know how. It is again the best use of the Muppets. The Muppets are are kind of an acquired taste. I love the Muppets, and I keep trying to to push them on my kids, and they're like, eh, okay. Like, there's the the Muppet, I love the Muppets. show. Yeah, I, I love them too, but like it is hard. You can watch the Muppets and understand why the Muppets are not for everybody, right? Um, but this movie is for everybody. <laughs> I think that that the, the levity that they add is just enough. It's not like they they went too much with the Muppet Treasure Island. That one kind of doesn't work. Speaking of Tim Curry, uh, he's doing a great job in that one, but the one's like a little too goofy, uh, and the songs are not great in that. Um, the Muppets Take Manhattan is the best other Muppet movie, but yes. it's too much Muppets. So it's like all Muppets. If you don't want Muppets, that's the thing. This has a real movie with Muppets adorning it. What's the other um, one? They have another Christmas one, right? Muppet Christmas Special? Muppet Family Christmas Special? They have a couple. The Muppet, Muppet Family Christmas, which is fantastic. That yeah. one's from like the 80s. They have Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is the best, <laughs> uh, where it's all specific Emmett like it's it's Muppets that were made just for that so it's a bunch of otters that one's really really good there's also Muppets letters to Santa which is not very good um there's uh like a new Muppet Christmas special that they they keep doing they, there's a lot of Muppet yeah. stuff out there that's of varying degrees of quality it's almost like Christmas Carol or Christmas story movies yeah um but yeah the Muppet Family Christmas is really good where they all go to Fozzie's yeah that's the one I'm house. thinking about yeah that one that one's fun. that's good that one's fun yeah. You can find that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the uh, best Christmas movie ever. And, and again, I think it really gets at uh, that story is truly about growth and about uh, that we can have faith in change. We can have faith in, in uh, when you give people grace, they can change uh, that, that the change that happens in that story isn't just Scrooge, but it's also the people it's like Bob Cratchit who is willing to say, let's give thanks for Ebenezer Scrooge, even though he's a jerk, yep, um, because he is someone who deserves uh, acceptance. Like that, he doesn't just show up and throw money at people. People have to accept him, and there's something beautiful in that. And the Muppet movie really gets at that. Like this, the song they sing that the love that, when love is found, like kind of that that becomes the the uh, the the song that they sing together. Uh, really does highlight not just that Scrooge has changed, but Scrooge has accepted both that he was a jerk and he he appreciates that people are willing to give him grace, both his nephew and the Cratchits. And there's just so, such a beautiful, beautiful story of grace and acceptance and of community and relationship, which is which is what Christmas is really all about, Charlie Brown. Yes, indeed. Charlie Brown Christmas has got to be up there too when you're talking specials. Oh, just say so 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 great so so great all right the obvious the obvious twitter question uh what'd we leave off what'd we leave off the list is there a movie that we uh we mm-hmm. missed mm-hmm. Uh, and why is it important to you shrek the halls it's been, oh my gosh <laughs> 
Iron Man 4. Um, Lethal Weapon 1. <laughs> yeah, let us know what we missed and why it's important to you. I think that so much of these movies are embedded in stories of our past. Uh, so, like, again, mm-hmm. whether they are good movies or just really sentimental movies, let us know. What's your favorite Christmas movie? What are you watching this year? Anything to plug other than all those movies? Uh, well, I would plug, yeah, definitely watch those movies. I would uh, highly recommend watch them, uh, Emin Otter's Drug Man Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, seek that out. I think it's it's kind of, sometimes it's been harder to find. You might be able to find it on YouTube or, or Vimeo, which is the YouTube without scruples. Like, uh, <laughs> if you want to find a copyrighted thing, let's go on Vimeo. Emin Otter's Drug Man Christmas, it is very fun. And it is it is an old school, like, no, it's from, like, maybe 1979. Uh, so it's all practical effects, and it's and it's pretty impressive, and the music's good in that, uh, and it's not very long; it's like maybe forty minutes. Uh, nice. So I, I, de- I would definitely recommend that. I'd also recommend uh, there's a movie called The Ref, uh, a very good Christmas movie um, with Dennis Leary and stuff. It's about relationships and stuff, but it's it's a, that's a fun that's a fun one from the early nineties. Kevin Spacey before he was quite as problematic, uh, and it's it's a fun kind of like uh, neighborhood. Yeah. What would you play? I would plug, uh, it just came out, Switchfoot's new Christmas album, which is creatively called Ooh. This mm-hmm. Is Our Christmas Album. Um, nice. It is Switchfoot is a great band. They are a little bit on the aging uh, surfer rock side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And this album mm-hmm. just so perfectly captures how aware of that they are. Uh, that, like, yeah. we're not trying to be hip and cool anymore. Like, we're just, this is, this is how we're going to play this. Uh, and it's yeah it it hits just right like i was uh decorating the house to it the other day and it's perfect just perfect yeah just a bunch of old guys who like that fun yeah yeah uh so the uh one last thing one last question i have should i watch hawkeye that's a christmas show it's a christmas series effectively i i'm trying to think back to what i would rated it like grade wise i think i would give it a b minus like it's okay yeah, I think people liked it, and they were very much like it's a Christmas show. I did not watch it last year when it was when it first came on, but I feel, I feel like we've gone around the horn, and it's I should watch it. I don't like Hawkeye as a character, but I've heard that it's good, and you've got Florence Pugh in it. And I love Florence Pugh, and uh, she's great. Film, and and um, too, so. who's the actress? The main actress that plays Kate Bishop, Haley Seinfeld. She does a very good job in that show too. She's the sarcasm is she's in uh, True Grit. Yeah dripping sarcasm uh, and it's fantastic yeah so I, I think I'll probably give that one a shot yeah take it for a spin see how it t- treats you yeah, yeah. Well, well Merry Christmas to you all I hope you have a, a lovely uh, Christmas time uh, and uh, that I hope that you have not been whamageddoned yet but if you have that you then lean into it and just listen to Last Christmas yeah. as much as you can because the very next day they're going to take it away uh, if you are able to prank if you have lost whamageddon and you are able to successfully dupe one of the two hosts of this show you get to be our next guest and you pick the topic if you can, yeah, that's assuming that we're still in. Yeah. Again, if we put this out there, you got about five days. Yeah. But uh, if we you, will, we will go in like, like, like baby sheep, if, and we will open all the links. <laughs> if you, us. if you get the kill shot, you could come on and and talk about anything <laughs> you want with the two of us. Until then, I'm Jay. Nice, nice, nice. And I'm Tyler. And this has been rubbing the buzzer. I always love that we do hand motions. I know. No one sees this but us. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, it's just for us. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a and have a happy New Year. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye.